Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to Bundesliga League for Beginners. I'm sure you know the drill by now. You understand what the show's all about. I'm Jamie Smith. Same crew as always. Jim, John and Kev are with me for this one. Um, busy show as always, getting through all the weekend action. We're going to start with the last game of the weekend. Schalke v Bayer Keverkusen. Kev, I, I only had half an eye on this game, but since, as we've discussed on many, many podcasts, Schalke are absolutely terrible. So Bayer Leverkusen won this, what, 6-0, 7-0? <laughs> you, you know, no? uh, no? you'd be forgiven for assuming that. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, as I uh, prophesied <laughs> in our last episode, was a little worried about this potentially being a trap game, kind of ends up being one, um, just saved by uh, the skin of Mönchengladbach not beating uh, Munich. So that uh, ended up kind of saving. But yeah, as for this particular match, it ends up being a 1-1 draw. Uh, a lot of controversy. We'll just we'll just leap to the controversial moment and then talk about the actual football surrounding it. But uh, so there's a penalty call that came off the the fact that Topsoba's arm hit the ball, but the attacking player kicked the arm into the ball, and then whether or not that yeah. should count as handball. Now, as people are probably aware, the new handball rule, as per FIFA, is that if it touches a hand, regardless of intent in the box it's a penalty yeah. so i saw a lot of people saying that that's not a penalty and it like literally is as infuriating yeah. as that rule can be um everyone's forgotten because everyone was having these arguments months ago and they've forgotten that the rule is still the same <laughs> i mean most people probably think the rule needs tweaking a bit yeah because it doesn't really seem fair but rules is rules R- rules is rules jamie that's a fantastic <laughs> point. Um, so that was really the, the big sparking point. Um, then tensions were kind of bubbling throughout the remainder of the match, which led to the very incendiary moment where Alario tried to score on a pass back after an injury. Um, that did not go over well. Uh, I think we'll probably talk about the Augsburg hug later. There was also a bunch of uh, shirt grabbings and, and mild fisticuffs, which probably also not great <laughs> for the COVID protocols. Um, but those two moments aside, I actually thought play was somewhat level. There were there was definitely a period where Leverkusen looked like they would be able to get the equalizer and come back and win. Didn't happen. But Schalke started the better team for the first 20 minutes or so, uh, which is very painful to say, <laughs> um, especially since they don't have three strikers and uh, Salif Sané is out for the rest of the season. So, you know, as as we had talked about, this this was going to be one where you assume that you win, and I think that's what happened. And then they ended up not. The chance creation just wasn't good enough throughout most of the match. I don't like Diaby nearly as much on the right as I do on the left. Um, Alario, uh, well, we were actually talking about how I was pretty impressed by Alario thus far. And on the last show, John said, yeah, but he's probably not good enough to kind of lead the line for a club like Leverkusen long term. And I think we kind of saw that today uh, as well. Pretty disappointing on the whole, despite the the return of Kai Havertz, who did have a pretty good uh, chance that he set up in the first half. But 
was was a little quiet, maybe just trying to get the legs back after a minor injury, but on the whole, yeah, pretty pretty disappointing to draw. Still in fourth, um, but that's probably just because everybody tends to lose to uh, uh, Bayern Munich when they play them, which is the great equalizer in this league, it seems, where obviously Leverkusen lost to Bayern, and then that would benefit in Mönchengladbach, and then <laughs> Leverkusen dropped points, but then Mönchengladbach also lose to Bayern, so... Uh, the top of the table still relatively unchanged in terms of the chase for uh, the top four. Obviously, Leipzig win their match. Dortmund almost looked like they might get pulled back into it, but then they scored at the death, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, on the whole, pretty disappointing performance. Schalke probably deserved the point, regardless of people's view of the penalty. They did. This is probably the best match that I've seen them play since the restart. Uh, just unfortunate that it happened against us today. And interesting that it happened with a lot of younger players on because uh, somebody on Twitter, no idea if they're uh, trustworthy or not, couldn't even tell you who it was in hindsight, uh, was just saying that with Schalke basically safe, I'm not sure if it's mathematic yet, but it's it's close. Um, they were just able to play a lot more young players, and I thought that brought a level of um, enthusiasm that perhaps they had been lacking in previous yeah. matches. Um, so, so credit to them. Disappointing for for Leverkusen, but probably not too unfair a result in balance. Yeah, and it could have been much worse, but for a really big save right at the end. Oh, Radecki, yeah, almost stole it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, John, much tighter this game than most people probably would have expected with the way the form's been going. Schalke have been so bad. It could be that this proves to be a real missed opportunity for Bayer Leverkusen. Looking at the table, it's so close dropping a couple of points here might be what makes the difference at the end of the season. Yeah, uh, for sure. I thought this was a, an interesting game because I feel as though stylistically Schalke versus Leverkusen is the sort of game where it plays to Schalke's strengths. Uh, Leverkusen are a, are a team who do like build-up um, and possession and they do like to um, try and manipulate space, um, but Schalke are, are quite a high-pressing team. We know all about David Wagner's um, time in, in England and particularly when he was at um, Huddersfield in the championship, his team were, were, were quite ruthless at, at pressing. And I think as a result of that, they just managed to disrupt Leverkusen's build-up play quite a bit. Um, but the the problem with this, with Schalke has been perennially this season that they they just don't create enough chances. And it was the same same again. Looking at the the, the the shots there was there was only three shots on target for each team and for Schalke this the the third one obviously as you said came in well into injury time so I think that's really the issue here for Schalke is that yes they they are a well drilled team they are fairly well structured and they are very good at pressing but they just don't have the, anyone with the amount of creativity that they need to to be able to really profit from those things so um this could be uh, a situation for for Leverkusen where they they do end up um, losing out in the long run in Champions League terms, uh, but Schalke really should be up there as well. So it's easy to talk about Leverkusen losing out, but um, I think everyone knows really that Schalke have had um, have had a huge amount of uh, money put into their into their club, and uh, I think it's just, it's disappointing for both of them if if Gladbach actually pull pull through um, into the into the fourth space. Yeah, I just wanted to pop in with one more thought on this, um, which was uh, Paulinho, who I had mentioned previously I was really interested in seeing. But any chance of a winning goal was basically given away by Paulinho, despite him being the one um, that, air quotes, scored the equalizer, because it actually ended up being an own goal. 
But his distribution in the last five-ish minutes, as soon as it hit stoppage time, of which there was six minutes, he missed maybe four or five crosses or long balls that really could have opened things up, even even been direct chances or led to them. And yeah, I was just really surprised that in that moment, he just absolutely crumbled and the technique seemed to go straight out the window, which was uh, really disappointing. In fact, gave the ball away for that last minute chance that Hredek Hredeski had to save. Um, so yeah, was was surprised and a little disappointed in, in him today. And just briefly, Jim, to bring you in before we move on, um, from a Schalke point of view, this is probably going to hopefully be a turning point for them. They've been so poor before and since the break, but not out with, they're not completely out of the Europa League race. So if they can finish strongly, there's still a chance that they can salvage what's been quite a disappointing season overall. Yeah, it does seem admittedly quite unlikely that they'll reel in someone like Wolfsburg um, who are up in sixth, but it's possible, I guess, like if they finished three wins on the spin, um, they could, they could be in that mix, especially if those with those teams playing each other um, around the Europa League spot. I know much Gladbach have got Wolfsburg in the week. So again, that's a chance that one of their rivals for that spot could drop points. Um, hopefully do from my perspective anyway. Um, but I think today, like the thing that I took from it and I did see a lot of the game was that I think Schalke just, I guess from a fan's perspective, you'd be a lot happier if you knew that at least Schalke were blooding young players. And I think with so many players missing that with the more established parts of the team, at least they put a performance out there today that I think their fans would be happy with. Like, okay, they didn't win the game necessarily, but they were underdogs going into it. And there's quite an inexperienced young group of players there that for the most part, you know, held themselves really well and could have, you know, could have held out at the end, like Leverkusen were pressing. But I think once Schalke had got the goal just after half time, they did kind of retreat back a little bit and they were just trying to soak up some pressure. But yeah, were it not for a fantastic save at the end, they could have snatched all three points, which would have been an amazing result. And I think the key for Wagner now, you know, I don't know whether the, his fate is already decided based on their performances since the, since the resumption, but if he is to come out of this season with a decent amount of credit, I think showing the youngsters in a good light and letting them kind of demonstrate that they're, they're the future of the club um, and chopping and changing the manager when you've got a squad like that that's made up of quite young players might not be the, the wisest thing to do um, in terms of continuity in their development. So it, perhaps that will be the saving grace for him this season, kind of bringing in those players and letting them demonstrate that they're going to be the, the future of the club and that he should be the one to kind of guide them through next season and beyond. It does always make a difference as well, doesn't it? If you finish the season strongly, even if it's just like a couple of wins at the end, everyone is just in a much better mood. Yeah. And poor form has a tendency to spill over into the following campaign. So they'll certainly want to get that win. Was it 12, 13 games of that win now? They'll certainly want to end that run. Um, I think we were saying last week or maybe the week before that seventh place could go into Europe as well, similar to the Premier League. If Bayern win the cup, that place then goes into the league. So seventh could be the Europa League spot that people are aiming for as well. Um, we'll move on from that game now, though. Uh, I want to talk about the bottom of the league. I think we've probably neglected it a little bit on the show at times. Hmm. Really, really big weekend at the bottom. Some really, really important results. Um, Kev, it looks like Paderborn are finally gone, though. 5-1 defeat at home to Werder Bremen, um, which does their own hopes of survival. The power of God, they're now level with Fortuna Dusseldorf. So really tighten things up there, but at the expense of Paderborn, who 
we've not really mentioned on the show, don't really know anything about, and now don't have to because they're not on the Olympics <laughs> <Bundesliga>. League. <laughs> Fantastic point. Yeah, I think I saw one match of theirs. Uh, maybe they played Bayern? Hmm, maybe. Um, maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, eight points off with three matches left. I mean, oh yeah, three three teams then, John? I don't actually know. Two go actually down and then one to the playoff? Two teams to go down and one to go into the playoff. Yeah, cool. So I guess the best they could do would be that playoff if yeah. they won literally every remaining game. And, and they've won four games all season. So that's so, no so we're not thinking three out of three <laughs> is particularly likely. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so it definitely looks like, like they're going to be cut adrift. The rest of it looks really interesting, though, although, uh, as you said, Jamie, in the chat today, Augsburg winning probably pulls them out of it, and I assume we'll touch on them in a second. So it does look like it's just this kind of cluster of Mainz, Dusseldorf, and, and Werder Bremen, yeah. who aren't Wolfsburg, who are all in uh, <laughs> contention for, for having to either go down or, or get into that playoff fight. Uh, pretty impressive for uh, Union Berlin, by the way, who I've seen a couple of times and wasn't particularly impressed by. And uh, on 35 points, I think everybody in that 35 and 38 group is probably safe now, um, barring a, a tremendous collapse here at the end. But uh, yeah, Potterborn, as you say, uh, probably not. Yeah, I think it was a weekend that really sort of clarified the picture down at the bottom. Like you say, Union got the result that probably makes them safe, although not quite mathematically yet. Um, the one interesting thing I've got to say about Paderborn is a guy whose name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce broke the record for most bookings in a Bundesliga season. I think 17 yellows in 29 games or something, which is absolutely incredible. Especially uh, so. considering the yellows bring suspensions. Exactly. So you have less so matches to do it in inherently. Yeah. He's almost been booked every time he's gone onto the pitch. So I've got a feeling the last few games he's probably just been trying to get booked to keep <laughs> his run. But yeah, fair, fair play to him. Uh, as we already said, Union won away at Cone, so that's lifted them to the same number of points, 35. Um, and the other big result down at the bottom was Fortuna Dusseldorf, who played Dortmund. Um, yeah. And, John, this was heartbreaking for Dusseldorf because they'd had so many chances, hit the woodwork twice near the end, and then got done at the end by an early Harling header. Yeah, I didn't actually watch this game, uh, I'll be honest, but it, it was tragic when when that goal came in right at the end. It came up as a flash, uh, a, a notation for me, a push notation on my phone, and I couldn't I couldn't even believe the game was still going on. Um, but uh, yeah, really horrible way to to go out. And it's been it's been the story of Dusseldorf's season, really. I think conceding really late goals, um, doing really really sterling work, keeping the opposition out, and then and then just a lapse of concentration at the end. So real shame for them, and uh, puts them right back into that relegation mix as well because I think it's now going to be a question of who gets more points out of Werder Bremen and, and Dusseldorf as to who's going to finish in that playoff spot and maybe have a chance of getting out um, and yeah I think that's where it's where it's going to be I don't think that Mainz will drop that far down um, I can't see either well Werder Bremen have got obviously Bayern to play uh, but they have got games against Köln and Union I think so there is still a chance that they could uh, just climb straight out and go above Mainz, but um, I I personally think it's going to be between Werder and Dusseldorf. Werder are in the the best form, aren't they? The teams down at the bottom, so you think if anyone's going to get out um, with and avoid the playoff altogether, it will probably be them. Um, from a Dortmund point of view, though, 
Jim, after a, a few games where he's been injured and then finding his way back to full fitness, proof that Erling Haaland is just a big game player that delivers for the key moments. Yeah, you can't get much... Well, I suppose the context of the game could have been a bit bigger, but in terms of the uh, last gasp nature of the goal, he certainly came up trumps when it mattered. Yeah, it it was gutting. Um, I didn't see the whole game, but even the highlights kind of showed that Dortmund can, I think, consider themselves not to be a goal down at the point at which they scored the winner. Um, and I think it's just, it is heartbreaking when you see a team like that, like that could literally swing an entire season um, for Fortuna because of the fact that they would started to pick up a few points after the resumption uh, and are on the cusp of that, as you say, that playoff spot. But they're still trailing minds by three points and they're running out of games to kind of, climb out of it and it's it would even a nil nil draw would have been such an unexpected point that you almost feel like the morale boost that would have given them was is worth another point in itself going into that final three games because you, it, holding the team that were you know very very live title contenders until a couple of weeks ago to a nil nil draw would have been such a boost for them and yeah just to to see it slip away at the very end I'm sure all of us have seen our respective teams lose in that fashion um, a few times and it's just the most gut-wrenching heartbreaking thing to to happen so yeah I think everyone kind of felt for them because it's just such a familiar gut punch at that stage which is so frustrating yeah I think you're right I mean it didn't actually make any difference to the tables it stands because I'd have been in the same position but a little bit close to mines yeah a little bit of a cushion from Verda and I think you're right the the sort of morale boost that it would have would have given them because so conversely the damage that this will probably have yeah yeah exactly it's going to be so hard for them to come back from that and they're away to leipzig in midweek which isn't the easiest game leipzig still trying to make sure of their champions league qualification um so yeah really really tough one for them um so while it was last gasp in that game it was first gasp is that a thing (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did that thing um, like in the office where you start the sentence and just hope that you pick it up. <laughs> it'll come, it'll come, it'll come if I just keep talking <laughs> and putting words together. In your I'll defense of the concept and... of linear time, there would inherently be a first and last gasp. So I think you're fine. Exactly. So first gasp in the uh, games between Mines and Eichberg, which looked like a classic relegation six-pointer. Eichberg scored so early, I hadn't even put the game on yet. So a 1-0 win, and I missed the goal because it was after 40 seconds or something. <laughs> so having slagged off Florian Niederleitner for weeks and weeks on end, he scored a goal when I wasn't even watching. So are, you considering, are you considering just not putting the games on from now on? Because it does seem like there's a few times this season where you've put the game on after... Augsburg have scored and then when you've watched the game yeah. they've done the literally nothing so yeah. you might be better one as well where game on. I, yeah there was another where I hadn't been watching it and after about 20 minutes put it on and Hertha scored straight away yeah so, yeah it, it's completely possible that I am the jinx and Nina Leitner's actually brilliant but <laughs> all the evidence I've seen so far Guess that's not the case. Yep. Um, Brilliant finish too. Uh, Miss hitting it straight into the ground so that it bounces over the goalkeeper. It's uh, yeah, calculated. Absolutely deliberate. Works out the angles <laughs> and everything. Um, so as Kev mentioned earlier, that lifts Eisberg up to thirty-five points, same as Union and Colne. So yeah, you'd say those teams probably safe, barring some miraculous results from from other teams, but. 
still plenty to play for at the bottom of the league. It looks like that's where the drama might be over the, the last couple of weeks of the season. We've got another English round coming up in midweek. Um, Verder at home to Bayern. That's a game that we're going to touch on later because Bayern can win the league in that one. And Union are at home to Paderborn. So you'd think that they get the result that they need to make absolutely certain there. Um, but we'll leave the relegation race behind for now. One of the other key battlegrounds over the closing weeks, John, is going to be the race for Europe, not just Champions League, Europa League. And your Freiburg lads kept themselves in the hunt with a good fight back against Wolfsburg. Yeah, it was a crazy game um, because in the first 20 minutes, they could easily have been three or four down. Uh, they had a couple of get goals disallowed, one which resulted in then a penalty which was scored, but uh, another goal that was disallowed to make it 3-0, which kept it at 2-0. And then out of nowhere, yeah, Freiburg managed to pull it back with really some really good goals from uh, Lucas Hurler and... Um, uh, Roland, Roland Salai and yeah it was just a it was a great game uh, in the sense that you know you don't often see comebacks like that and um, I, I'd written them off after 20 minutes in 2-0 down um, and looking like they were going to get absolutely battered and uh, yeah they managed to turn it around uh, they made a few tactical switches um, Freiburg are very very weak on the on the left defensively I think they have Vincenzo Grifo who's a very creative player but not the greatest defensive player and then they have a couple of older slower defenders on the left hand or the left back position in the left um, inside centre back um, but once they'd solided that up and they they just really went for it. They pressed high, pressed hard, and um, they, they managed to get those two goals and were unlucky in the end not to actually get a winner um, because Leinhardt um, missed a, a very good opportunity uh, late in the game. But yeah, it's another one which sort of just keeps the points ticking over. It was um, a, a game against a, a team who could have pulled away had they won the game as well. So it was impressive for them to get back in. But as, as we talked about last week, it's one of those weird scenarios where, you know, Freiburg may not want to be going into Europe, Europa League um, because it has such a negative impact on their season when they, when it happened a couple of years ago. So, um, but I would, yeah, you know, it would be good to, it'd be good for them to finish in the, in the top uh, six, not least because, um, their their wage bill is I think the second lowest in in the league and so it's just a it's an incredibly um, impressive performance for them to to finish so high up um, in, in the league they have been wildly overperforming their xG and wildly overperforming their defensive numbers when it comes to xG as well but um, that this is what happens with Christian Streich's teams uh, and yeah it's great to see him getting uh, um, an additional contract or an extension on his contract. So he'll be around for longer, but he is Mr. Freiburg and he um, has been running the club well, well above what uh, and beyond what they should be doing. And it'll be good to see him continuing with them. I was going to bring that up next, actually. Has there been speculation that he could go elsewhere or did it always seem likely that he was going to come out? Yeah, I mean, he's he's always been at Freiburg. And so there's I don't think there's really any surprise that he was going to carry on um when he, he he did when he did join them as manager they did drop down into the Zweite Bundesliga but they came straight back up as champions the next season and he's just been around ever since so um yeah he he just I don't know what do we say he gets the club or something but he you know he's he's a guy who's lived his whole life there he played for the club um he was but he's also quite um he's quite a a, a balanced guy he taught as a teacher for a little while as well um he lives in the same flat that he 
uh, was born in, I think, and grew up in. Uh, he cycles to training and, you know, refers to the team, uh, the players on the team as colleagues and is all very much uh, a, a very much a community club down there in the in the southeast, of, uh, sorry, southwest of um, of Germany. So, yeah, I think it's it, it's just a um, an extension that I think everyone expected and it makes a huge amount of sense. And uh, as long as he's there, I think the club will feel happy that they will continue to to stay in the in the Bundesliga, despite the fact that their 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 budget is just so much lower than everyone else's. Yeah, I mean, it does always make you wonder if sometimes managers, I think, are just a good fit for the club, aren't they? Mm. And then they go somewhere else and it just doesn't work because the feel isn't right or like the mix. Like it's mm. so difficult to put your finger on. And it feels like every week I compare Freiburg to Burnley now, but I wonder if it's a similar situation mm. with Dash at Burnley now. He's been there a long time not that long away from being a decade at the club, which is almost unheard of these days. It seems like other clubs have passed up the chance to take a look at him and you wonder what the mm. natural next step would be. Maybe it's similar to strike at yeah, I don't even think that he would be interested in going elsewhere. And I think that's what's yeah. so fascinating, fascinating about him is because he's one of these managers, he's a little bit like Marcelo Bielsa in that he recognises the importance of the, of the club to the community that the club is within. Sure. And as a result of that, I think he's just... It, it it all it's all kind of bundled together. He doesn't distinguish between oh this is a football team and this is the place where I live for him. And I've told I've talked about this before on here actually. You know, Freiburg is a town of two hundred thousand people. The stadium fits twenty thousand people. So one in ten people in Freiburg is in the stadium every weekend. So everyone in the in the town knows about what's going on in the, in the football um, stadium. And so it's just, it was just a, a really refreshing experience to go there and to see how central football is to the to the community and the socioeconomics of the area. And Rory Smith did a did a profile on Strike for the New York Times this week, and he he was saying that when he was interviewing him, you know, Strike was talking really intelligently about the socioeconomics of the area, talking about the the history of the club, and everything that he does just seems to to be bundled together with that notion that I'm here at the club because this is the community that I live in, and it's an important part of that community. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I'll definitely check that out I really like Rory Smith's stuff so that will certainly be on my list for the rest of the week uh, we'll move on to the next game that we're going to talk about then Bayern against Gladbach uh, Jim we talked about Bayern not having Lewandowski not having Muller through suspension turns out didn't need them anyway could have done with a few more suspensions really <laughs> I was gutted watching this game. It feels like just the most missed opportunity. Like it's you know one of those games where you just watch it and you just know that you've missed so many chances that there's going to be a gut punch in it yeah. somewhere. 
and it just it felt inevitable. I mean, the, the sequence of events that led up to Bayern going ahead in terms of missed chances by and Bolo um, for Gladbach, then an absolutely brilliant like reflex save from Sommer. And then just some absolute madcap defending. I've got no idea what they were trying to do, and just basically played in Zerky, who um, Zerksy, sorry, who um, who put Bayern ahead. And then Pavard, who's normally so consistent, and I, I've I've loved watching Pavard on the occasions that I've seen him either for France or for Bayern in the last couple of years, like in the Champions League. He, he strikes me as a super consistent, just brilliant all-round defender, which I guess is why he plays for Bayern um, and he, he put into his own net again just kind of he, if he'd have gone with his other foot he basically the cross comes in and he tries to clear it and he kind of goes with his wrong foot and it just seems that if he'd gone with his other leg he might be able to hook it away but the only thing that was going to happen when with the way that he approached it was that he was going to put into his own net yeah um, I think which it was, was one of those uh, the strike was right behind him so he yeah true he needed to do something it. yeah otherwise to be it was fair be a goal anyway, yeah. yeah you can't leave that to go across because otherwise it's a tap in but yeah and then much and Gladback kind of it went back and forth a bit in the second half at 1-1 and missed a couple more chances and then Goretzka just pops up at the end again assisted by Pavard to be fair which is another gut punch after he puts through his own net and then sets up the winning goal um, with a nice cross and a, a kind of deft finish and yeah it just it's buying all over right it's just the winning mentality where even if you're a goal ahead with 10 minutes to go you'd never be sure that you were going to beat them because they're just so resilient and good at what they do um I don't know if you know it, it didn't to be fair it didn't help that Taran went off so early um, yeah. he got injured and was it went off within 10 minutes which I think was a huge blow because he's just so powerful and his kind of direct running style I think would have continued yeah. to and give players already exactly yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. so it was it, it was not guys. ideal yeah and Mbolo's only just come back from injury as well so you, again a little bit like the Havertz thing where is he fully fit you know I mean he was fully fit enough to miss two glaring opportunities in the space of four <laughs> seconds to be fair at nil nil so he, he certainly had the legs to get into that situation, but just not to bury either the headed chance or the chance that he shanked wide um, from about two yards out. So it was, yeah, it was a frustrating evening. Um, and I think the only saving grace from the weekend overall, from Gladbach's perspective, is that Leverkusen dropped points um, on Sunday to the point where it is still very possible that Gladbach could leapfrog them into that final Champions League spot because it has seemed a little bit like a seesaw since the resumption of the league where Gladbach put themselves in a good position one week and then screw it up the next and just go from winning well to shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly so I'm hoping the seesaw swings back the other way midweek and they can uh, beat Wolfsburg which is a huge game fifth against sixth and and then hopefully Leverkusen drop some more points and get back into fourth ahead of the final two games. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that could... Yeah, well, hopefully. <laughs> not not but... to cut you off, but um, relatedly, I'm just delighted I haven't seen anybody say that I guess nobody wants that fourth Bundesliga spot the way everybody oh, did with the yeah. Premier League last year. Turns out I winning... I wasn't about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out winning lots of consecutive football matches with a lot of pressure all the time is a little difficult. Looks looks like maybe yeah. maybe that's it. Not that teams are disinterested in trying to achieve career highs. It'll be great, though. I think if it's still in the balance going into that final round, because they're all played at the same time, I assume that's not changed. I assume that's still the same where, because of the 
integrity of the competition. I guess they all try and play at the same time. Um, so I guess it'll be like 2.30 on a Saturday UK time. Like that could be a real back and forth affair with the, that final um, Champions League spot and the Europa League spots as well. Um, especially with the potential, like we've said, of, of um, Bayern winning the um, cup and there being a seventh spot as well. Sorry, Kev, that would obviously mean that Leverkusen don't win. But, sure does. You know, we've got, <laughs> also, got to be realistic based on your performance against Schalke today. I think avoiding a 5-0 drubbing at Bayern's hands would be a yep. good result at this stage. I am fully prepared on that last day of the season to be absolutely fusing, uh, fusing, absolutely fuming over a team that I adopted about a month ago that they might given, miss out how Spurs have performed in finals it would be hilarious if you picked the team that that just misses out on champions league yeah right very and loses. Then, lose, then lose in a cup final yeah yeah, yeah. would be remarkably spursy i was just looking at the fixtures that all the teams in that sort of situation have to come and it seems fairly even obviously when you get to this stage there's some teams that don't have as much motivation um, so both Gladbach and Leverkusen play Hertha, who are about as mid-table as you can get at the minute. Um, they started really well, actually, after the resumption, but then they've lost the last two. So um, games against Hertha could be good ones right now. Um, should probably talk about Bayern as well, John, as Jim touched on. It just shows that it doesn't necessarily matter who's out there wearing the shirt. They've just got this champion spirit and experience and they know how to get the job done in these tight games yeah i'm maybe a little bit critical of bayern because i think there is an expectation that you know bayern and dortmund are sort of similar some similarly um, marquee teams and dortmund haven't done enough to challenge bayern in the last few years but bayern really are just sort of leaps and bounds ahead of of, of all the other clubs in in the league and you know this is a this is another example of of them sort of sl- slowly powering away at the end they had a poor start of the season under nico kovac and and um changing up the manager getting hansi flick in and him sort of returning and doing the basic stuff that that bayern teams do well he- heavy possession uh, a little bit of added pressing and in in the final third has really helped and um, reinventing. We've talked about Thomas Muller a huge amount. Obviously, that's helped as well. Um, and interestingly, I think without Muller and Lewandowski this weekend, you know, Bayern did look a shadow of the team that they had been. Um, I thought the, the it was interesting watching the the Gladbach game actually against Bayern because it it showed just how how high the, their defensive line is, and if you can get in players in behind those that defensive line and really um, cause them problems in behind their defence, then you can cause them problems, which might be something to think about when we uh, come up with the Champions League later in the season, uh, whether or not other teams will be able to find that weakness and and really skewer it. Um, but yeah, look, Bayern are a, are a great team. I think they're easily the best team in the league and uh, well-deserved winners in, in this competition. Uh, and I don't think anyone is uh, surprised to see them winning the competition again. Yeah, I was watching this game and I did think it was a shame that Clea was missing and Jerome went off. It's like, Gladbach's chances were so affected by not having that front two that the whole team is based around how potent they are as a partnership. So I think it was unlucky. And Bayern seemed to keep getting these these little chunks of luck. All right, they had two of their own guys out, but when they played Leverkusen, Havertz wasn't available. And when they played Dortmund, Sancho wasn't fit. Like It just seems to... I'm not suggesting there's anything dodgy going on. It just seems to be a big coincidence that whenever Bayern get these tough games, there's big players out for the opposition. Um, it would be interesting to talk about something like stereotype threat, which is... Um... The, the the concept that you know when 
when teams and players expect games to go in certain ways, then they go in that they play in such a way that causes those things to come about. So, so when players play against Bayern because they expect to lose against Bayern, there yeah. maybe and and a great example of that yesterday with with Sommer messing up and uh, and obviously uh, Oscar Vent as well at the end. I think messing up as well, and I wonder how much of that comes comes into it. It's the same sort of thing that you saw with Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. You know, these teams get a belief that they're going to win all the time, and and they're huge helped by the oppositions that they're playing sort of expecting that to be the case and so almost making it come about but there hasn't really been much study on this phenomenon so uh, i don't know how you would quantify it but i'm, I'm really interested in, in that sort of idea of stereotype threat that when you're when you're so traditionally good teams just can't really face you because um you've already got the advantage just because they're psychologically um uh, expecting a certain result probably similar in italy isn't it with events as well how even when they're not playing particularly well, they just seem to get the job done. You wonder if teams feel like they're beaten before the game's kicked off sometimes. Mm. Mm. Um, looking ahead to midweek then, Kev, we're all assuming Bayern will complete the job. They haven't dropped a point yet since the restart of the season and their game is against Werder. Is that right? They're playing Werder? Yeah. Yeah. Or Wolfsburg. So obviously Werder have plenty of players. But... <laughs> or Wolfsburg. Yeah, we'll Don't find out. Don't throw Spanner into them. Yeah, somebody with W is going to turn up. <laughs> In green. But yeah, uh, Werder obviously got something to play for down at the bottom, but it would be a massive surprise if Bayern didn't get the result they need to complete an eight straight league title. I'm sure when we started the podcast, we were hoping for more of a title race, but you've got to take your hat off to Bayern, really. They've just been so much better than everyone else. Yeah, I actually thought your your Juventus comparison is a really good one because it seems like every year somebody's challenging them. Like Inter were doing it this year. Napoli obviously did it uh, a couple years there under Sarri. But like you have to do literally everything perfectly. You can't put a foot wrong. Whereas, you know, Bayern can just steamroll everything <laughs> seemingly without care. So I thought that was a, a really good comparison because obviously... Thank uh, you. Yep. <laughs> was it last year that Dortmund were leading at the halfway point? And then just weren't able to to finish it out. So, um, yeah, you'd assume based on that track record that Bayern will just waltz into where? Nah, that's not going to work. That's a terrible joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, you'd assume that they'll win. Obviously, uh, they'll be getting both Müller and Lewandowski back. Um, Lewandowski still chasing that goal title, as we said. Bayern still chasing that overall goal total, although. Just scoring the two versus Mönchengladbach probably didn't do them too many favors. Um, thanks, Jim. No, just kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, you'd assume that they're about to win this, especially with with the title on the line. You feel like these are the kinds of matches that Bayern just show up for, it, at least in the league. Obviously, we've talked before about their questionable uh, finals appearances in different different competitions. Obviously, the Champions League has proven to be quite elusive for them, but. Yeah, you you figure with the title on the line, they're just going to win this one with probably relative ease. But as you say, you know, Werder, Werder need this very badly, but I could very easily envision kind of a, a Dortmund-Dusseldorf kind of match here, um, except, you know, with Werder probably not uh, having the kind of chances that, that Dusseldorf had there briefly. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about staying perfect. Even just looking at the table you can see why Dortmund and Leipzig haven't been able to have more of a challenge. Bayern have lost four games this season, which for Bayern is probably more than you'd expect over the course of the mm. campaign. Dortmund have only lost five, which obviously includes losing to Bayern. And Leipzig have only lost three. So Dortmund yeah. and Leipzig just haven't put 
teams away when they should have because they've drawn too many games. Leipzig were drawn 11, which is more than anyone in the league, Pop and Schalke. So if Leipzig had more of a cutting edge, and we said this before, that obviously they're still quite new to the Bundesliga. They don't really have the serial winners in the squad that people like Bayern have where they've got players who've won the title year in, year out and just know what it takes to win every game that's tight. Um, but, Jim, if you look at the table, Bayern look like they're going to win it by a streak. It doesn't really tell the story of the season, does it? Leipzig were on top for so long. Dortmund have had their moments. And it probably comes back to that classic a few weeks ago where Dortmund just couldn't get the result they needed to keep it alive. Yeah, talking about John's um, theory on how teams kind of play themselves into situations because of how they expect games to go based on a stereotype. That, to me, is anecdotal, obviously, and you can't use one game as evidence, but Dortmund were sweeping all before them going into that Classica, which is why we were so kind of optimistic, I guess, that there yeah. might be a result that meant that there was a really enthralling title race. And they just froze. Like, Holland had several really, really good chances and just seemed to be snatching at them. Now, again, you can't run that game a thousand times to see how many times they win it. But the fact is, on the one cha- the one game that actually exists in real life, they didn't take their chances. And they had plenty of them. They were, up until the final third, they were dominant in that classica for the first kind of 35 minutes, I guess, or 30 minutes. Um, and just couldn't pull the trigger. And at that point, you just let Bayern back into the contest. So it could easily have gone a different way. But again, is that down to how much Bayern just believe that they are going to come out on top and the kind of not mental fragility because it makes it sound like they're bottling it but it's a if you're not used to winning in those big moments how much of a mountain is it to climb compared to when yeah. it feels natural to you and actually maybe that's where buy and hold an advantage that's almost unstoppable in those situations because they're so used to it and they add winners to the squad every year and they've seemingly made the right change in the dugout as well to keep that winning mentality going Uh, but you're right it doesn't tell the story of the season you'd expect Bayern to win it obviously but the way it's come about has been maybe a lot more um, kind of different and a lot more it's had a lot more twists and turns to it I guess than you would normally expect a Bayern Munich title win to have because we've been just been so used to them dominating from the off in previous years and just kind of just being unstoppable and as you say winning it by street. I suppose what what does stand out as well is as always with buying the consistency. Yeah. But particularly since the restart, I think a lot of people wondered what's going to be the impact of having ten weeks, twelve weeks, whatever it was away. Obviously, all the stuff around the games, people wearing masks, it it must have felt really different for the players. And adapting to this new normal, as everyone goes on about, it must have been tricky. But for Bayern, it just seems to have been absolutely the same. Like, just win every game all the time. Don't seem to have been distracted at all. Um, John, just before we move off Bayern, and this might be a question to revisit later in the season, maybe at the end, but how do you think this Bayern compared to the last few years of Bayern, are they better in some departments, worse in others? They seem to be more fun to watch than maybe any other Bayern since Guardiola left. Do you think that's fair? 
Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I, obviously, they had the the failed experiment with Niko Kovac, and uh, that sort of coloured everyone's uh, experience of of buying in recent years. But just looking at the even looking at the club now, it's just it's just such an exciting team. I've talked about it before how um, they've sort of reinvented themselves since Hansi Flick came in. They've they've gone with having a lot of distribution deep in deep in the team. So uh, Joshua Kimmich and David Alaba, uh, really good um, distributors of the ball, and then they've just got really exciting players uh, in forward areas and it's just it's a team where they just absolutely hammer teams because there's so much attacking potential uh, they've got decent fullbacks um, they've got probably the best goalkeeper in potentially the world um, they've got probably the best number nine in the world given that Harry Kane has gone off the boil a little bit um, and so they're just a phenomenally exciting team to watch they've got some young players coming through you think of Serge Gnabry um, Alfonso Davis, who everyone who everyone's loving, Joshua Kimmich again. Um, so there's just so much to, to to like about them, and I think it's uh, it's hard to be a um, a buying detractor at the moment because they are they are quite fun to watch. Yeah, I'm sure we'd all love to it to see a tighter title race, but it's difficult to not say Bayern. Obviously, I don't think the league table lies at this point, but Bayern clearly deserve it. They've been so much better. Um, it's maybe ominous that. It looks like they might have Leroy Sané for next season as well. And there's so much potential in attack as it is. You put Sané into that team, it's it's frightening for, I think, everyone else. Um, speaking of midweek, then, it is another full fixture. So we will try and get a show out, um, assuming Bayern do win the league. And we'll look back more on their season. But we'll have a quick preview of some of the other games that are coming up as soon as I've remembered to look at what they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Bayer at home to Köln, Kev. This is a, a big game, obviously, in the race for Champions League qualification and a game that, on paper, you should get three points from. Agreed. As we all know, GOAT as their logo. Uh, Kevin Vimmer played for them. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we know a lot about, obviously, Köln, uh number in their name, etc. Uh, no, <laughs> no you'd, you'd hope that with uh, Colm, uh, I think you mentioned about her to earlier, Colm about as as mid-table as they could be um, locked in there in 12th. Well, I guess that's lower than it would be in the Premier League, huh? Because 18 teams. But regardless, uh, not really a whole lot to play for. Probably safe. Definitely not getting up into European spots. So you would hope that with Leverkusen fighting for, you know, top four versus Colm fighting for, uh, I don't know, not 13th. Um, <laughs> that, uh, it would end up being enough. Uh, I think Havertz getting, uh, you know, a fair few minutes under his legs today will hopefully get him back to his best. Um, maybe start him up front. Like I said, Alario not particularly inspiring today. Boland came on in just kind of a uh, glimpse uh, of the match, so not really uh, favored anymore. Uh, again, continue to be surprised by that, but then I see him play, and then I'm a little less surprised by that. Um, but yeah, you, you just have to win it, right? If you're Leverkusen and, and you know that top four is on the line, as Jim was saying earlier, it just keeps shifting back and forth. So when you have opportunities like this, you need to take it. But I did see uh, one of the Leverkusen fans that I now follow saying that it was kind of typical uh, to lose the, the match, or not lose, although it felt like it, the the draw against Schalke. Um, so maybe maybe that comes into play if there is that kind of club history of, of struggling with pressure, which... Can't verify, uh, but uh, John did say that Leverkusen were kind of like Tottenham, so maybe <laughs> maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think 
as things currently stand, the defense has been relatively solid. The midfield solid. When Diaby's at his best, I think very hard to defend against. When Havertz is leading the line, I think that causes a lot more issues for defense, at least in the context of this shortened period that you know we've been watching and having a show. Uh, so yeah, if if Havertz starts up front, I think have a much better chance that, than Alario, even though I was impressed by him in his last uh, few appearances out. Yeah, Leverkusen playing Wednesday, um, but Jim got back go first this time, so they'll play Tuesday night. Do you think it's an advantage to go first? Does it make any difference? Wolves very difficult opposition as well. They've got the Europa League to try and play for. It's it's a tough one on paper. This. Yeah, um, I'm a bit worried about this game um, because not only is much in Gladbach's recent form concerning me. Obviously, you've got potential injury doubts. Um, particularly Taram, which is, is a huge loss if he's not fit to play. But also Wolfsburg are, are much better um, away than they are at home this season. So they're in, they're in the Europa League mix and they've got 27 points from 15 away games and 19 points from 16 home games. So you'd rather play them if you're the away team. And actually this game is at Gladbach. So I think it's a real potential banana skin because it's the first game of the midweek round as well it's the early kickoff on Tuesday so kind of all eyes are on on that this game um and if if you don't pick up at least a point then I guess you, you you're really staring down the barrel struggling to get um up into that final Champions League spot so yeah pressure's on and uh we'll we'll have to see if um if Gladbach can deliver but off the back of two straight defeats you know one okay expected against Bayern but particularly dropping points to Freiburg the week before. You know, it it doesn't feel like you go into that game full of confidence, um, particularly with Wolfsburg being so good away. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting watch, I think. Yeah, a bit of a wobble from Gladbach recently, so yeah. I can't really afford another slip-up in this one. Um, Jim, Freiburg at home to Hertha. Hertha seem like the sort of team who are maybe, to use an English-type expression, maybe on the beach at this point. Um but also, I, I kind of wonder what's going to be the impact of another midweek round, games starting to pile up, players coming down with injuries. For teams that don't really have anything to play for, what's going to be the motivation when there's no fans there? Like, It seems to me that everything is in favour of a game like this, Freiburg winning it. But the other games involving teams in mid-table that don't really have anything to play for either, it strikes me as an opportunity for some quite one-sided matches in the last few rounds. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, we we say that Hertha have got Hertha have got nothing to play for, but um, they're only four points behind Freiburg, and Freiburg have got a tough run of fixtures coming up. Uh, they've got Bayern um, as well, and uh, I guess Schalke too, who are, are only just behind them. So, um, with Freiburg, as we've seen since you guys started watching, it's very much a case of take each game as it comes, try and get what you can get out of it. Um, but there is a chance that a couple of the teams that they play could could leapfrog them uh, if the if the results go go differently. So I think everyone will probably be up for the games, really. Um, and I mean, for Freiburg, as, as we've talked about so often, it's a case of, you know, stay in the league, stay in the league, stay in the league. And they've, they've achieved that. They're not going to go down. Uh, and so I guess to a certain extent that takes pressure off them. Yes, it would be, I think, nice for them to get into the Europa League again. It will certainly um, benefit them in terms of uh, revenue or give them a little bit more to play with. But um, I, I think there's, as far as Freiburg go, you know, it's just a case of they, t- they treat every match as a, as an individual match uh, they want to win every game and they'll 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 take as it comes so 
yeah, I, I thought that this period after um, after the loss to Werder Bremen, um, which on paper was one of the easier games that they should have they should have had, I thought that this period could have been quite tricky for Freiburg, but it's turned out to be uh, quite um, impressive. And Freiburg have lost, let's not forget, two Werder, Paderborn, and Dusseldorf, who are all uh, bang at the bottom. So it's the sort of it's the sort of run of games actually that I think Freiburg will will really relish. Uh, I think Strike is is very good at firing them up for these games where they're probably the underdogs and and they'll they'll probably give whoever um, comes a really good game. So I, I'm taking them in, in that sort of spirit. Um, and it'll be great to see them um, uh, cause problems against these teams. And, and who knows, maybe they can um, nick something against Hertha. It, it's always interesting for me at this sort of stage of the season where there's teams that don't necessarily have as much to play for. Some teams seem to relish the pressure being off and produce better performance as a result and others very much well the season's finished now we've done what we needed to do um so it'd be interesting to keep an eye on which teams do that um in the spirit of things i think augsburg might be in that sort of category um probably in the the group of clubs where staying up is the primary goal they haven't quite done it mathematically yet but they're seven points clear of fortuna so they're almost there augsburg this week are at home to hoffenheim uh, their last game was defeat against Leipzig, but Hoffenheim very much in that race for Europa League as well. So in terms of motivation, Hoffenheim certainly have more on paper for this one. Um, but we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll not watch it and Nida Leitner will score 12 goals or something because he's secretly brilliant but refuses <laughs> to show me. Uh, we'll just have to see how that one goes. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it for, for this week. Like I say, we're going to do a midweek show, but Kev, as always, will tell you how to make sure that you get that. Yeah, so you can find us on Twitter, obviously, at Bundesliga Pod. You can also follow us or subscribe at iTunes or Acast or Spotify if you would so like. Uh, and we would like you to do that. So uh, do it. Uh, but yeah, JB, back to you in the studio. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, so that's it for, for this week's show. As Kev says, you can get us on Twitter at Bundesliga Pod. Obviously, season coming towards an end, so if you've been enjoying the show or you have any feedback, please do get in touch. Uh, you can tweet me individually as well. I'm at Jamie Smith Sport. Kev is at Kevrov. Jimmy's Jim Knight tweets, and John is John underscore McKenzie. Um, I think we're going to record Tuesday, assuming Bayern win the league, so that will be out for you Tuesday night, wherever you are, or Wednesday, for wherever you listen to the show. But thanks for joining us. I've been Jamie Smith, and we'll catch you again soon. In Bundesliga for beginners, goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.